This is Illinois in Focus, a production of America's Talking Network. I'm Greg Bishop. Coming up, we'll review the week's top stories about the governor taking action on legislation like the Safety Act, the latest debate about guns, the state's finances, and holiday displays. We'll also get commentary from the Center Square publisher Chris Krug and executive editor Dan McCaleb about those stories and more. That's ahead with Illinois in Focus, a production of America's Talking Network. Listen to all our podcasts at americastalking.com. I'm Greg Bishop. Are you looking for an interview podcast where you can be entertained and informed? Come check out our new podcast, America's Talking, to hear conversations with great stand-up comedians like Mark Norman. Norm made you feel smarter than him, even though he was smarter than you. As well as with leaders in the United States, like former Ambassador Andrew Bremberg. I remember the fall of the evil empire, when the wall fell. Every adult I saw was crying. I'm your host, Austin Berg, and I want you to join the conversation on our new podcast, America's Talking, right now on Spotify. This is Illinois in Focus, a production of America's Talking Network. I'm Greg Bishop. Here's some of the top stories from the past week. With the certification of last month's election comes the official passage of an amendment to Illinois' constitution that prohibits any local or state regulations on what can be collectively bargained. The Illinois State Board of Elections certified elections Monday. Democrats swept all statewide offices. Comptroller Susanna Mendoza was the largest vote-getter of statewide office holders, winning re-election with more than 2.3 million votes or 57% of the vote. The proposed labor amendment also passed with 53.4% of the votes cast. State Senator Ron Villavallum praised the amendment's passage. We've had robust discussions about uh, right-to-work zones and and, uh, banning right-to-work. I think those issues are now put to bed um, with the voters having spoken. But Illinois Policy Staff Attorney Miley Smith said the amendment puts local governments in a difficult spot when negotiating with labor unions. She said local police unions can now negotiate things that run contrary to state law, like police regulations found in the Safety Act. That doesn't have to be done legislatively. That can be done through a collective bargaining agreement, and that collective bargaining agreement basically trumps state law. Changes to the Safety Act, which ends cash bail statewide, are now law, and the courts may have to pick up the pieces. The original measure was narrowly approved in early January 2021. While some of it's already in effect, the end of cash bail was slated to start January 1st, just three weeks away. Last week, during veto session, state lawmakers approved changes that law enforcement said were needed to keep violent offenders held pretrial, among other substantive changes. Through a news release Tuesday evening, Governor J.B. Pritzker announced he signed the amendments into law. Wednesday, Pritzker acknowledged the original law he signed was flawed. Let's make sure everybody, judges, state's attorneys, sheriffs, etc., understand these provisions. So maybe we need to write them in a way that's just much clearer and it has a little more detail to it. So I'm glad that we're able to get that done. Dozens of state's attorneys and sheriffs have a lawsuit against the end of cash bail. The challenge will be heard in Kankakee County Circuit Court December 20th. It's expected a ruling will follow the week after, with anticipation the Illinois Supreme Court may have to weigh in. The Illinois legislature has approved a measure that would provide prison inmates with free menstrual products and underwear. Andrew Hensel has more. House Bill 4218 aims to address the lack of hygiene products in the Illinois Department of Corrections facilities. State Senator Selena Villanueva introduced the measure last week during a debate session. It hopes to address the lack of hygiene products available for those in the Department of Corrections care who lack the financial means to purchase these basic necessities. 
The state currently provides IDOC with these products, but still the bill changes some language. Um, House Bill 4218 just codifies it and includes everyone access to these products. The IDOC didn't immediately provide a taxpayer cost estimate when reached Monday. House Bill 4218 has passed both chambers and can now be sent to Governor J.B. Pritzker. I'm Andrew Hensel. When Illinois state lawmakers return to Springfield January 4th, they're expected to take up a measure banning the sale of possession of semi-automatic weapons, certain magazines, and more. House Bill 5855 will be heard Monday at 11 in a House committee. Witness slips show nearly double the number filed opposed and support the proposal. State Representative Bob Morgan expects significant debate on his bill. I think we're going to have a robust conversation in the coming weeks to get some good feedback on it. But I'm going to work as hard as I possibly can to pass these laws to make sure no other community goes through what we did here in Highland Park. Dan Eldridge with Federal Firearms Licensees of Illinois said turning law-abiding gun owners into criminals overnight is not the answer. And when we step back and look at these high-profile mass killings, you'll see that the perpetrators, the, the violent offenders, have an awful lot in common with each other but practically nothing in common with average, everyday, law-abiding gun owners. Lame duck session begins January 4th. A major U.S. credit rating agency sees a mild recession ahead, and while Illinois' public finances are expected to remain stable, the state will perform poorer than other states. Fitch Ratings released its sector outlook for state and local governments, and it expects the economic conditions countrywide to deteriorate in 2023. Analyst Eric Kim said that means macroeconomic conditions facing state and local governments are going to be weaker with a mild recession ahead. But he said credit ratings will remain stable even for Illinois. They've made some real strides in terms of improving their resilience and the tools that they have available to them to deal with downturns like the one that, again, that we expect to come in the next year. But... There's obviously still a long way to go. Illinois has the worst credit rating in the country, and with among the largest public employee retirement costs in the nation, it's expected to perform worse than other states, better positioned financially. It is fair to say that Illinois is going to face a tougher situation than most other states, given its rating level. Regardless, Kim expects Illinois, with a stable outlook, will maintain its credit rating level. At least one public employee pension fund in Illinois says it may have been impacted by the bankruptcy of a digital currency exchange that sent ripples through the investment world. Digital currency exchange FTX went bankrupt last month. The Illinois Municipal Retirement Fund said this week they have about $4.5 million of their $45.5 billion in investments indirectly exposed to FTX through a venture capital asset manager. IMRF manages the retirements of local government retirees across the state. Wirepoint's President Ted Dabrowski said while the impact may only be 0.01% of IMRF's investments, the announcement's troubling. We know that one of our pension funds is invested in, in this crypto-type uh, investment. So uh, I think it begs the question, what about the rest of Illinois' pension funds? And, and are the risks managed and controlled? Every single pension fund should be answering that question and, uh, and being transparent about it. The Illinois Teachers Retirement System, with the largest liability of Illinois' funds, said Thursday the fund's $60 billion in investments are not invested directly or indirectly in any digital currency. The Illinois Treasurer's Office also said none of their $50 billion in public investments are invested in digital currencies.
The state of Illinois not doing great when it comes to middle-class families. Andrew Hensel has that story. The report was done by Kiplinger and detailed the worst states for middle-class residents. Illinois has a flat income tax rate of 4.95%, which is above average for middle-class families. Republican state rep Mike Marin said the state's high tax burden is hurting the middle class. You have an extraordinarily high tax burden, and you're asking the middle class to, to foot the bill for everything we do in government. Democratic State Rep. LaShawn Ford said it's how the state's tax system is set up that is hindering growth in the middle class. We have to overcome the fact that we are a donor state. And when you look at the states that are more friendly to taxpayers and individuals, they are not donor states. The report also lists property taxes as a reason for Illinois' poor ranking. Illinois currently has the second highest property tax burden in the country. I'm Andrew Hensel. And inside the Illinois State Capitol Rotunda, there's a tall Christmas tree, a Christian nativity scene, a Jewish menorah, and a display from the Satanic Temple of Illinois. While they don't celebrate Christmas, Minister Adam with the Satanic Temple of Illinois said they celebrate Soli Victus, a Roman celebration of the sun. His message to those who may be offended by their display of a crocheted snake wrapped around apples and a banned book is okay. Being offended is something that is more than welcome for them to be able to do. That's their right. But we have every right to be here and we're not going to sanitize that message because someone else is offended by that. Last week during a dedication of a privately funded Christian nativity scene, Beth Rogers said it's her belief Jesus comes out on top. And I'm going to say that little baby in the manger later crushed Satan the serpent's head and the gates of hell will not prevail. Both Rogers and Adam said they support all displays of religious symbols in the public square as a right of free expression. Displays are expected to be up through January 5th inside the state capitol. And those are the top stories from the past week from Illinois. Find more online at americastalking.com. Coming up for Illinois in Focus, commentary from the Center Square publisher Chris Krug and executive editor Dan McCaleb. This is Illinois in Focus, a production of America's Talking Network. I'm Greg Bishop. Are you looking for a new podcast where you can get your national news from a taxpayer's perspective? Check out the American Focus podcast featuring the Center Square's Dan McCaleb. This jobs report, in some ways, it contradicts what I'm seeing anecdotally. And Casey Harper. And it's not just the economy. He has a 28% approval on the economy, but he also has 36% approval on foreign policy. Find American Focus wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe. That's America in Focus, a news podcast from a taxpayer's perspective. Focus is Chris Krug, president of the Franklin News Foundation. This is the Crosstalk segment, commentary powered by the Center Square. Joining me, as is often the case, as often as we can make it the case, is Dan McHale, executive editor of the Center Square. We're both right here in Illinois. Danny, what's happening? Hey, Chris. uh, Business as usual in Illinois. Got some things to talk about. More restrictions that lawmakers want to put on the state's um, residents, uh, trying to fast track that. That's probably what we're going to talk about first, but, uh, getting real close to the holidays. It is. We're just, you know, we're just a couple of, a uh, couple of weeks away from Christmas. Uh, Hanukkah is nearly upon us as well. Um, headline, uh, from uh, the center square this week, when, uh, something I want to start with gun rights group plan lawsuits. If Illinois lawmakers 
pass new restrictions. What is going on with this? Get me up to date. Yeah, so um, <clears throat> Governor Pritzker had promised to to, uh, to ban semi-automatic weapons, uh, the sale of semi-automatic weapons in Illinois. And um, this one, uh, a bill filed by uh, State Representative Bob Morgan, a Democrat from De- Deerfield, would go even farther that, than that. He's filed a legislation um, that would ban the future sales of semi-automatic guns uh, create a registry with state police who already own them, and it would also um, ban um, uh, magazines with more than uh, ten round capacity. Yeah, well, Deerfield. I mean, just for the benefit of people who don't know, I mean, has um, some of the most liberal gun laws uh, in the country. That at a municipal level, going back to 2018, um, they've banned a number of semiotic semi-automatic firearms there already. I mean, so, I mean, the Deerfield perspective on this is uh, about as extreme left uh, as, as anything we've seen in, in Illinois. And anti-gun. Um, the, the measure also <clears throat> would do a variety of other things, including defining assault weapons to include um, a variety of, of, of just regular semi-automatic pistols, shotguns, and rifles. Um, it would define a large capacity ammunition feeding device as more than 10 rounds, even though most standard guns you buy today um, have um, magazines of more than 10 rounds. Even those that are made for the state to conform with the state of California. Yeah, I mean, so it's like, I don't know what, you know, so, so, all right, so that's, that's terrific. That's like saying that, that uh, cars now is sold in Illinois have to have gas tanks you know, that are five gallons or less because we, you know, just needs to be that way. And then car makers would have to make a, a special Illinois version that had a five gallon gas tank in it. Yeah. Dan Eldridge, we talked, we talked to Dan Eldridge, um, Greg Bishop, our um, uh, senior reporter covering uh, Springfield, all things Springfield. He, he, he talked to Dan Eldridge about this proposed legislation. Eldridge is with the um, federal fire Firearms Licensees of Illinois. And um, what Eldridge essentially said is um, this would ban mere possession of a standard capacity magazine. It would make owners of standard capacity magazines, because 10-round magazines are standard nowadays, um, it would make them criminals. Uh, We've been talking, you know, gun control measures come up all the time, particularly after mass um, shootings. We had the July 4th Independence Day uh, mass shooting in the suburbs of Chicago. But this this goes far beyond anything that I've heard of discussed nationally in Illinois or elsewhere. No, it's, it it's radical. It's 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 yeah, it's yeah, two things. It's radical and, and it's and it's not constitutional. And and there, how would you be able to comply with this? I mean, it's like the, it would make the vast majority of semi-automatic pistols that exist on the market today um, useless. I mean, if you couldn't use them, like literally they'd be, that's, isn't that the definition of useless? Um, But, but I mean, I'm not exactly sure how you, how you would remedy that. I mean, and and what's the point? I mean, is the idea to like push us all toward revolvers as if revolvers aren't problematic uh, or potentially as problematic? I mean, it's the gun. And the person, 
not the gun. So, I mean, it's just. Wait, the now. other thing about the other thing about this is um, the, the 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 bill sponsor, as I mentioned, Representative Bob Morgan. Um, they come back. Lawmakers come back for what's called lame duck session in very early January. The new we we obviously we just had an election in November. Uh, the folks who are newly elected to office and the folks who are still in office get sworn in uh, to their positions on January 11th. Before January 11th. Um, lawmakers are coming back for what's called lame duck session. And um, Representative Bob Morgan wants to get this passed, get it through the House and get it through the Senate and onto Governor Pritzker's death, desk, excuse me, before January 11th. So during this lame duck session. And what that allows, uh, what that means is it all it takes is a simple majority to pass it, to get it signed by Governor Pritzker, and it goes into effect immediately. So if 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 Morgan pushes this through the legislature, of course he's got super majorities um, in, in the Democratic Party in control of both chambers, the House and the Senate. If he's able to do that and put it on Governor Pritzker's desk before January 11th, these things could be banned effective January 11th. But we're talking that'll about, be that'll be fun to deal with. Yeah, and so, who, and so, and so, like in the real world where you and I live, and you and I are not, you know, North Shore regulatory attorneys that maybe you know have no idea of of like you know how things like this might actually be you know done in the real world. How might this be done in the real world, Dan? I mean, how how are they going to to to? I mean, are we thinking about like house to house confiscations or? Or or what? I mean, you know, are they gonna are people going to be coming for your magazines at this point? Essentially, folks who already own um, these magazines and, and these guns um, uh, would have to file with state police that they exactly what guns and what magazines they have, and state police would keep a registry of it. Now, so there's there's no plan right now to go and confiscate weapons, but you take this giant step. What's the next step? lawmakers are going to tape. It's a slippery slope is what I'm saying, is that that that, that could be next, the confiscation. How in the world would this hold up against, I mean, like, I mean, because obviously this is something that would be taken all the way to the Supreme Court. I mean, this is, this is, a, this is a, basically a, an assault on the Second Amendment, is it not? Or an attempt, an attempt to disrupt our interpretation and understanding of the Second Amendment. There's there's little doubt the U.S. Supreme Court would strike this down as con- unconstitutional. Sometimes the problem becomes, though, getting it to the U.S. Supreme Court can take a lot of time to the point of even years. Um, uh, and state courts in Illinois, you, you know, d- depending on the, the, the district judge, the appeals court, the state Supreme Court, they can drag this thing out for, yes, for, for years. But g- Make no mistake about it. There's going to be lawsuits. We also talked this week um, to Guns Save Life founder, uh, John uh, Boak, who uh, essentially told us Bob Morgan, and I'm going to read a direct quote here. Bob Morgan is the, 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 the sponsor of the bill, is going to lose in court. And not only is he going to lose this, but I anticipate he's going to get a whole lot of Illinois gun laws that are currently on the books struck. And that's going to lead to a much safer society for all of us uh, criminals. Um, so he's saying that this has absolutely no shot at winning in court. My concern would be, you know, you know the time it takes uh, for the for, for if it needs to go all the way to the Supreme Court. 
one, one other quote that's pretty interesting um, um, from him. I think this bill is going to be what's going to wake up the sleeping giants who say, hey, no, we've had enough. You never are satisfied by taking little pieces. So we're going to take a bigger chunk of the pie back this time. Those are fighting words. Um, essentially, gun rights groups are going to be uh, full press on getting this um, this new law, if it pa- or this this bill, if it passes and becomes law, uh, ruled unconstitutional. Yeah, I mean, and you know, the 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 legislature in in Illinois, I mean, I guess really for going on, I don't know, it's probably fifteen years now. I mean, has just rammed through a lot of. I would call them big left ideas. I mean, these are, I mean, these are ideas that, that, you know, frankly, you know, start in either New York or California and they come to Illinois and whether or not their, their law in either California or Illinois, that this becomes the place where they get put to the test and, and jammed through legislatively because it works that way here, that, that the path is, is greased in Illinois. Right. So, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if if this does make it if this does make it through, but I mean I view this and we're going to talk about the Safety Act, right? I'm, I I think that this is one of those sort of like virtue signaling kind of um, pieces of legislation that you know it's that that is addressing a, a a problem that the left sees as being very specific, but is far 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 more complex. And it's gonna it's gonna have ramifications that, frankly, I don't think that they're taking into account. Yeah. Well, well let's face it. This essentially takes certain kinds of of weapons out of law abiding citizens' hands. Criminals, you know, gang, gang, gangsters, gang members, violent criminals. They're going to get these guns. They're going to figure out how to get these guns on the black well, market. Well, then they already have. Them. I mean, they already have them. I mean, yeah. Them, I mean, yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and and my guess is they they haven't registered their their weapons with the state. I'm going to go out on a limb with you and say you're right. Yeah, yeah. It makes so it's I, actually, I don't I, I don't get it. I I just don't I don't get it. I mean, this is virtue signaling. This is this is something that I'm not sure that there are a lot of people that are calling for this. I don't think the vast majority of Illinoisans are calling for this. No, and if, if you they, put this on a referendum on a ballot, I think it would be struck down quickly, easily. <laughs> I, I would agree with that. And I think though that maybe this is Deerfield this is Deerfield gun syndrome, right? That that is being, you know, brought out to the broader state of Illinois. And, you know, if municipalities want to have uh rules such as this on the books or, you know, ordinances in their local communities, go ahead and do that. But but this but but Deerfield, Illinois, um and Carlinville, Illinois. Uh, are two different places, and uh, what might work, you know, up on the North Shore, uh, doesn't work mid-state, doesn't work downstate, uh, and I'll tell you what, it doesn't, it doesn't fly in the far suburbs. That, that, I mean, that's 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 my point of view. So uh, this this seems to be very much like North Shore Democrat kind of thinking being forced upon a state. That is far more diverse than the North Shore. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, in, you, you referenced to you know if Deerfield wants to do it, if local municipalities want. I honestly got to think if, if you challenge these local municipality ordinances, um, and it got the U.S. Supreme Court, they'd be struck down too. 
the second Probably amendment so. is the, the second amendment is, a, is the second amendment. It, it, right. it, it you know, it, it's part of uh, the U S constitution that impacts Deerfield, that impacts Chicago, you know, that is effective over all of us. So right. it's just, I, I, I don't know. It's, in, it's insanity. So uh, let's move on and talk about the state. We'll keep an eye on that story. And I think that that's, that that's a story, frankly, that a lot of people around the state are going to want to pay attention to. And there are a lot of people around the country that are going to be interested in what Illinois is doing or trying to do with regard to um, magazine capacities. Um, so obviously Center Square will stay on that and we'll, we'll, we'll continue to report that, I'm sure. Um, the Safety Act, which just kind of winded back, you know, I mean, was was introduced uh, early in the 2021 legislative uh, session, uh, passed 700 page bill, ran through. Not sure anybody really read it. Not sure anybody really fully knew what was in it. And then it sat until this year when it was going to be implemented, of course, after the election, after the midterm. Something like this would never, ever be implemented prior to a midterm election, right? It's always after. Big things are always come after. There's a 300-page trailer bill that got plugged into this during uh, during veto session. So this, this is now a done deal. The Safety Act will be law. It is law. It will go into effect on January 1st here in Illinois. What's in it? What made the cut? What changes? Well, so Governor Pritzker signed it this week. That makes it law effective January 1st, assigned assign the amendments um, uh, to it. Before the amendments were passed, um, district attorneys, sheriff's offices, law enforcement from across the state um, were raising huge red flags about it because it essentially ended cash bail. Um, uh, uh, prosecutors had 48 hours uh, to prove to a court that a defendant, whether it's a murder defendant or you know, uh, uh, someone who uses a gun uh, in a robbery, shoot somebody, doesn't kill them, rape, uh, you name it. Prosecutors would have 48 hours to prove that, that person was a da- danger to a specific individual and should not be released from prison to keep that person in prison. If they couldn't do that um, within 48 hours, uh, the individual, the suspect, the, uh, the essentially the defendant, the accused, Someone who's used, accused of a crime, any type of a crime, including violent crime, had to be released. So lawmaker, because of obviously the law enforcement community was up in arms about this. Um, that sounds like it was written by a criminal, frankly. I mean, yeah. I, I think, you know, when I talk about this with people from outside the state of Illinois or people that are inside the state of Illinois, just haven't been kind of paying attention to this particular idea, this, this you know, this policy idea. I've had it said to me. Like bluntly, that that sounds like it was written by a criminal. I'm like, okay, maybe I don't know. Fair, fair, fair point, no doubt uh, about that. Um, there's, there's, uh, so uh, district attorneys, state's attorneys across the state um, filed several lawsuits. They were consolidated into a single lawsuit. That was uh, that lawsuit was supposed to be heard uh, in Kankakee District Court this week, but because of these amendments. Um, uh, the the legislators passed during veto session right after Thanksgiving holiday. And I'll talk about what the, the amendment does here in a second. Because of the amendment, uh, the court asked for more time to review what it's going to mean to these lawsuits. So it's now scheduled to be heard uh, the week uh, before Christmas. 
the amendments added some clarifying language to the 700-page uh, bill that you mentioned that will allow certain violent offenders to be held um, uh, before trial on either significant amounts of bail or no bail at all, meaning a, a judge can order someone held with no opportunity to post on bail. But it only covers certain violent crimes. And there's also still confusion because the 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 trailer bill, the amendment to the 700-page bill, as you said, was more than 300 pages long. So it's still being reviewed by states' attorneys and law enforcement community uh, across um, Illinois. But with the amendments, it will go into effect January 1st. The vast majority of offenders will not have to um, post crime except or post bail, excuse me, uh, except uh, with certain violent crimes. Um, so there's still going to be a lot of, of, of criminals who previously um, were being held in local jails. They're still going to be released. You know, and, and I, I mean, just for uh, for perspective's sake, you know, uh, uh, Leo Tolstoy's book, War and Peace, uh, was only uh, 1,225 pages long. So, I mean, roughly this 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 legislation, this 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 bill is, you know, it's not quite war and peace, but it's in the ballpark. How many times have you read War and Peace? Uh, it's a, it's such a it's such a flip turn read, man. I just I just bust through that. You know, I mean. No, I mean, that's that's an old idiom, you know, but. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I think that, that, that there's a there's a couple things we're talking about around around this bill beyond like what's in it. The idea that that we bring these big ideas forward, uh, that really nobody has a clear understanding of the ramifications, you know, connected with them, and then drops it on, uh, you know, others to implement. Like, how in the world, from a from a process standpoint, would the would the attorney general and the state's attorneys from around Illinois? How in the world would they have not been brought into this process prior to passage to have an opportunity to talk about the actual implementation of a of a law that would be this wide ranging and would affect these offices so drastically? How I mean, from a process standpoint, see, I mean, that is one of the fundamental problems with what goes on in Illinois legislatively. It's just these wild ideas about like how to, and I'm making air quotes, fix things that don't fix things. They complicate things further. And again, you know, it's like, to what end does the Safety Act actually Make Illinois a better place. To what end? It doesn't. I don't get that. I don't see it. it. And going back to your, you know, your thoughts on the process. Uh, essentially, Democrats who control state government in Illinois, Democrats at the state capitol, um, do with, with this what they do with the budget, with the budget year in and year out. They draw it up behind closed doors. Don't let the public look at it. Maybe get input from some of their you know, favorite experts or whatever, but those who are closely aligned with them, they write it up. This is a 700-page bill. They release it in the middle of the night one day, and they vote on it the next with no scrutiny. It's so That's arrogant. 
It's just, it's just such an arrogant process. I mean, it's the, and you know, and, and the, for, for, you know, kind of just like just real quick historical context. I mean, the biggest complaint I think that, that, you know, that moderate Illinoisans had, and certainly people who are, who are right of center had during the Madigan era, uh, when Mike Madigan was speaker of the house and, and, and you got to understand there's not a single bill that comes to the floor that gets considered and voted on that doesn't pass through the speaker's approval, right? It just, that's the way that this works, that for, for anything to be considered, it has to move through the speaker or it does not make it to the legislature, period. Yes. That these kinds of things have gone on forever. And that when Chris Welch took over as speaker of the house, that it was, there was, you know, it was supposed to be a new day for Illinois and tell you what, it's not a new day for Illinois. It's Groundhog's Day for Illinois because it's the same process. It's the same policy arrogance, political arrogance that has pushed Illinois farther and farther and farther to the left, less representing the center of, yeah. of, a, of a state like Illinois. Yeah. Speaker Welsh um, has essentially kept the house rules the house rules are what dictate how things work in the uh, illinois house the processes to get bills passed things like that he has largely kept michael madigan's house rules in place which allows this behind the scenes um non-accountable process to get things like this passed all right moving on dan headline from the center square our great bishop wrote Fitch, colon, Illinois will perform worse than other states in expected economic downturn. Um, pension weight? Yeah, this this really, I mean, it, it should shock all of us, but it doesn't because we've been getting these reports, these analyses for years and years and years. Fitch expects a mild recession uh, heading into next year, which, of course, affects affects all of us, but it, it affects governments, too. And essentially, Fitch says, because of the poor financial condition um, that Illinois is in, in in large part, but not exclusively, in large part because of its massive public pension debt and 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 medical debt for retirees, um, that Illinois is going to fare far worse than any of its neighbors when a recession does hit. Mm-hmm. Any reason to think that might not be right? Uh, zilch. <laughs> Not a zero. Oh my goodness. You know, I'll tell you that like, you know, part of raising kids is, is trying to help them, you know, really get ready for, for the, you know, for the world. Right. And the, and the one piece of advice that I always give my kids is try to avoid as much personal debt as you, as you possibly can. Like, just don't, if you can't afford to buy it, don't buy it. I mean, have some discipline. So you're not carrying around the weight you know, that, that $30 sweater that you're buying, if you're going to buy on time can become a $60 sweater if you're not paying attention. Yeah. Right. So yeah, a great exactly. deal can if turn you haven't into used a credit card. If you haven't used a credit card, pay off your credit full, uh, make sure you're able to pay off your full monthly credit card debt every single month. So it doesn't accumulate interest over right. time. Right. And so the, so Illinois has operated Frankly, uh, like someone who's had a credit card that has no limit, uh, but also has no ability to pay. 
uh, because we just keep buying things. I mean, we just keep spending money on stuff. And, you know, here it is 2022, um, nearly 2023, and our obligations to people who are already in our pension systems in Illinois um, who are being paid out. I mean, there's some crazy number, like 132,000 people that the state of Illinois are either paying or are obligated to pay a six-figure pension. And that number is going to continue to grow, right? Yeah, keep in mind, um, these are people who are no longer working. Yeah, right. right. No I mean, providing right. services, and that takes money away from more than 25% of the state budget goes to pay off these pensions. And despite that, and that's massive, but 25% of the budget is is way too much to be going to pensions. But despite that, we still can't pay down all this pension debt. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's like that the, 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 this is, we are the poster child for how not to do it. I mean, with regard to, to, to you know, financial solvency um, and being in, and being, you know, independent um so yeah oh, we, we, we haven't talked about the now i mean we've talked about it in the past but we're talking about at minimum 140 billion dollars in pension debt that's according to the state that's the state's figures but the state but actual actuaries who look into it place that number at more than 200 billion dollars right. you, you use different calculations including anticipated um returns on investments Illinois uses a higher figure than than most actuaries do. Yeah. So they're, and, they're and meanwhile the market. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I said meanwhile the market has gotten slaughtered. I mean, uh, yeah. really. I mean, this entire year has just been holy cow. You know. Yeah, yeah. Anyone who's got a four hundred one k or any money in the in the market uh, knows it's been a brutal year um, for returns on um, investments. And and w- one more point. I want to make is that $140 billion figure, um, which is a minimum, doesn't include the state's obligations for retirees' health care um, benefits. That that's another that's another tens of billions of dollars. Yeah. Um, so and and I should say too that Illinois is by far the worst in the state for funding its its retirement benefits, including both pensions and medical. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and and I mean, it's like we w- did we really have a disagreement in the last year? Not you and I necessarily, uh, but a disagreement about whether people were coming or leaving Illinois. <laughs> well, there was some fake news that was put out there by Governor Pritzker's office that said the U.S. Census and does its uh, every ten years it, it does its census for reapportionment uh, purposes. Um, Illinois had lost residents for something like eight years in a row leading up to that census. Um, over time, over that 10-year period, we lost hundreds of thousands of residents. Uh, while most states gained residents, Illinois lost residents to out-migration, even though births still outpaced deaths and all, all the other factors that are uh, there. We lost a congressional seat because of our um, uh, declining population. But then they put out some blip of a uh, an update uh, earlier this year, where they said um, um, I- Illinois actually gained residents, but we everybody knows that that was wrong. That was incorrect. Uh, Illinois has lost residents for eight consecutive years. I, we, we, actually, at the end of this month, we're going to get a new new census uh, update. I would gather. I would guess, if I were a betting person, I would bet that Illinois lost 
residents this past year. Uh, this new census update is going to uh, measure Illinois' population from July 1st, 2021 to June 30th of 2022. And it would be a huge surprise if it doesn't show that Illinois lost residents year over year again. I was at one point in time was thinking about, you know, leaving um, and I actually went so far as to take a look at I'm leaving Illinois uh, and um, went so far as to look at at moving vans and and the cost of, of, of moving. And when it came right down to it, I was like stunned at how expensive it was to leave. Right. Uh, but if you wanted to flip the van around and go from where you'd ultimately like to live back to Illinois, about one third the cost. Because they're trying to get any reason at all to bring vans back into Illinois so they could fill them back up with people from Illinois stuff and take them outside of the state. So it's like if we were going to move to Pennsylvania or if we were going to move to Virginia or if we were going to move to Seattle from Illinois, whatever that number was, it'd be about one third to move in the opposite direction simply because the, the demand for, for, for vans right. coming back in. Uh, versus the the demand for vans going out. Yeah, it's definitely it's a demand issue. U-Haul and all the moving companies. Uh, there's far more people leaving Illinois than coming into Illinois, and that's going to affect the rates coming and going. So you could talk about the census number. You could talk about Governor Pritzker's numbers. I'll tell you what: in the real world, I, I look at the I look at the dollars, and and clearly. You know, the, 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 these vans are moving in one particular direction and that's out, not in. Um, Dan, it's about, you know, we, we are in very much into the holiday season. I, and I can, I can see that, you know, you've got your holiday glow going. I mean, you just look just full, you know, I mean, just like full on holiday spirit flowing. I could see it. Sure. Capital. It's the religious display um, story. You know, we do this story, I think, every year. It's, 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 I think some people find it interesting. It's, some people find it, I don't know, uh, like, I don't know, maybe the question among some is like, why do you guys continue to, you know, why does the media continue to write stories like this? I always find it interesting, but the, you know, the, the religious displays are up at the Capitol and, um, and, and they run the gamut. They sure do. This 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 did seem to be a lot more controversial years and years ago. I think it, it yeah. I think it's just sort of a oh here we go again type of story now. But uh, we did write about it at the centersquare dot com. It's sort of like a competition, depending on what your faith is, to make sure your faith is um, um, well represented at the state capitol. The secretary of state every year puts up a Christmas tree. Um, various religious groups bring in, you know, whether it be a Christian nativity scene or a Jewish menorah. Uh, and the and the, the one outlier is in this, but this has been going on for years. And I, I think people have taken a whole home attitude to it for the most part is a display from the satanic temple of Illinois. Uh, they've got a present or they've got uh, a display there. So it's just, you know, I don't know what the purpose of it is. But. The satanic display is, is uh, I mean, is uh, pretty different from the other ones. Of course, you know, you have a, 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 a like a crash, a Christian nativity scene. You have the the menorah. Of course, Hanukkah starts on the 18th this year. Um, Christmas is, uh, you know, celebrated uh, every year on the, the same day, the 25th. Uh, I had that question asked to me by one of, by one of my children. Is, is Christmas on the 25th this year? And I'm like, uh, yep. 
Sure is. Yeah. Uh, the the Satanic uh, Temple of Illinois display uh, is a uh, what appears to be a like a foam snake, um, you know, like almost like maybe a or a plushy snakes uh, sitting on top of a of a book. I'm not sure what book it is. Maybe the Satanic verses or, or some such thing or Satanic Bible sitting on top of some. It's uh, uh, it's, uh, it's Copernicus's revolutions of the heavenly spheres. Yeah, published in 1543. I haven't read that one. Catholic Church. Okay, <laughs> well, maybe that's why I haven't read that one. Um, so, to, to what end? I mean, is this? Uh, does, does, you know, is there a lot of traffic that's flowing through the capital in Springfield this time of year to, to go and check out these displays? Which, um, I guess they're okay. I mean, in terms of like, I'm talking about like the aesthetic quality of them. Maybe you do better at Macy's. Uh, down on the on the on the Mag Mile or or at, you know at Woodfield Mall or your local, you know your local department store. I think it. I I, I don't know what the point of it is. I think uh, maybe it has something to do with you know state government cannot declare an official government in the United States. No government in the United States cannot declare an official religion or whatever. Um, so, but but Christmas is widely celebrated, um, even secularly. Um, you don't have to be a devout Christian to self, uh, to um, celebrate Christmas. So um, it's been tradition to have this Christmas tree um, at the state capitol during the holiday season. Many, many years ago, maybe even more than a decade ago, um, you know, other religions said, hey, it, it, you know, if, if they can have a Christmas tree here, we can have our uh, religious display here. And that's when this... This, so it's been going on for a long, long time. I guess, and, the, I guess the point that I'm asking or the question I'm asking, the point I'm trying to make or, or the thing I'd like to discuss is, is this a bit, is this a big deal anymore? I don't think so, no. Yeah, I tend you, to you agree used to, You used to have folks complaining about, for example, um, you, you know, the satanic um, stuff that has no place there. But, you know, it's not in in, in the United States. You know, there's freedom to practice whatever religion you want. So have at it. And with that, we'll bring it to a close. For Dan McCaleb, this has been Chris Krug. You've been listening to the Illinois in Focus podcast. This was the Crosstalk segment, commentary powered by the Center Square. Now over to, to Greg Bishop for a look at what the Center Square will be working on next week. Next week, the team from the Center Square will continue to track the debate over a proposed gun ban, preview the arguments in the state's attorney's challenge of the Safety Act, and prepare for the end of the year and the beginning of a new state legislative season. Find more online at thecentersquare.com slash Illinois. This has been Illinois in Focus, a production of America's Talking Network. I'm Greg Bishop.